2: And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, whenever you're watching, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn and all of their properties. My favorite, the Holiday Inn Resorts and, of course, the Holiday Inn Express. So if you got to travel someplace uh, in the U.S., make sure you rest your head at a Holiday Inn. Now, hey, I can get you a discount. That's right. We can get you a Billy C. discount. Just go to our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click the Holiday Inn banner. It'll uh, get you a discount, or you can call our toll-free number, 844 603 844 603 And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by, you guessed it, my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. You can get a copy of this book by going to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about getting uh, Tom Molino's story told. And oh, by the way, by the way, uh if you want a signed copy uh just visit uh, billycboxing.com and click on the book now if you want more than one copy we love you for that just drop me an email billy at talking boxing that's t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g.com and incidentally uh, that uh, email address is good for uh, having your uh, questions, comments, concerns, opinions read live on the show. Plus, you know, I'd like to hear from you. That's right. I'd like to hear from you. Wherever you're listening, if you got a minute, drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, dot com. Let me know where you're listening. Uh, we're curious to know uh, where you're watching or listening to the show, uh, what television network you're uh, catching us on, what radio station you're catching us on. Uh, if you're watching us on uh, YouTube or listening through a podcast, whatever, uh, it will be very helpful. For, so if you could uh, uh, take uh, uh, a uh, minute and drop us an email, just let us know where you're watching or listening from. Uh, we'd appreciate it. And speaking of uh, listening, I want to give a shout-out uh, to a couple of our uh, affiliates, uh, WGIG in Brunswick, Georgia. Uh, thanks for listening to us uh, on the radio dial. And don't forget uh, my man George and the crew over at WSMN 1590 in Nashua. So uh, we're pretty happy with uh, uh, all of our affiliates, but uh, we kind of caught A little close relationship with WGIG and WSMN. Coming up a little bit later on this show, we got Boxing Hall of Famer. Larry Hazard scheduled to join us, and I got some questions for him uh, concerning uh, the fights from last week. We also got uh, the blast from the past, uh, former light heavyweight contender James Scott. Uh, Alex will uh, be talking to me and you uh, about James Scott. Uh, and uh, why he was such a uh, a figure that just I tell you what it, it's etched in my mind. He's etched in my mind, and he just passed away a couple weeks ago. So uh, uh, we'll be talking about him. I got some other boxing news to chat about. We got an email to read, um, but first, as been the case these last several weeks, we got an update. We got an update on the fight we all want to see. Nah. It's not Triple G against Canelo. Uh, it's Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder, arguably the two top uh, heavyweights in the world today, uh, hands down. I would say uh, that's my opinion. Um, yesterday we talked about it. Uh, we did get some comments from people that were saying that they've lost interest, and in, and this was one thing that um, you know we talked about yesterday. The the, the fact that the drag out process. Um, is uh, is turning people away. You know, it's like the same old song and dance in this sport. But thanks to our U.K. correspondent, Johnston, he gave me uh, some latest news on this situation. And um, Eddie Hearn, uh, Matchroom uh, Boxing, um, uh, made some comments. And, and the bottom line is they have said that the first fight, because we all know that there's going to be a two-fight deal, all right? But the first fight will definitely take place in the UK. And no, the money isn't going to make a difference. Anthony Joshua has made it very clear to everyone around him that not only does he want to fight Deontay Wilder next, next, but he wants to fight in the UK. And he said, I don't care about the money because uh, apparently some of the negotiations going back and forth, the more money, more money, more money would be in Anthony Joshua's pocket if he chose to fight Deontay Wilder on U.S. soil. And Anthony Joshua, true to his word, because he has been saying this all along, he said it ain't about the money. It's about fighting the best I want to fight Deontay Wilder. I want to shut him up, and I want to do it in front of the U.K. fans who have supported him since day one. I'll get you some quotes. But first, I got to get this guy's opinion joining me from St. Simons Island, and hopefully he doesn't have a stack full of notes for me today, is uh, Sal, <laughs> Sal Rocky Senacola. Sal, what's your thoughts, man? I mean, it's kind of, whether it's all just BS or not, it, it's kind of... It's kind of a pleasure to listen that it ain't about the money. No. Well, that's just it. That's just it. I mean, when you look at the passion
3: and the purpose and the cause as far as what one fighter believes in his heart of hearts uh, for the sport of boxing and for his own greatness and his level of el- being an elitist, I mean, it, it, it says it all. That's a, that's a lot of fuel for the fire. And, uh, of course, the money will follow. Remember the old saying, do what you love and the money will come. Something like that, but anyway, um, I'll tell you what—it's—it's it's refreshing. It's great, and this has been a saga that's been dragging out a little longer than we would really care to see. And uh, you made reference before we went on air—you uh, know, it's—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, 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 it's true. There's there's people losing losing uh, interest if they keep doing what they're doing.
2: Yeah, and it's already uh, started to happen, you know. And and you know, boxing has a tendency to push fans away. You know, here we are. We've been in a clearly uh, whether the naysayers want to admit it or not, but we're clearly in a resurgence in the sport. Absolutely. It's been going on for two years. It seems to be getting better and better. Uh, the fighters are willing to step in uh, the ring and fight the the bigger fights quicker. Um, it's it's a pleasure, and because of that. And because, in a sense, the, the fans that are coming back or, or the, the sport creating new fans, they don't want to get tied into this marination BS, you know. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is, is the sport of boxing, specifically the big names, have to be careful about that, Sal. You know, they, they don't want to push these fans away. You know, they want to welcome them and continue to grow the fan base, which has been, you know, it's shrunk over the last uh, several years. And we're in a resurgence now. You don't want to lose that momentum, right?
3: No, definitely definitely not. And you, you said it. We're in a resurgence. And you know what? We're starting to see fighters wanting to challenge themselves again. And that's how they fight the best. The best fight the best. And they, they seek to be the, the, the elite, the number one. And, and that's that's a great incentive when the fighters are looking to fight the best.
2: Well, that's what the sport uh, really is about. Let's get some... Uh... Uh, quotes, and again, I want to thank my man Johnston, and you could catch his uh, column up on billycboxing.com. Um, you know, all uh, discussed it was ba- bottom line, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua. Joshua's willing to take uh, less money uh, to fight Wilder in the UK. Uh, Hearn said, and, this, and I quote, he says, One thing is absolutely certain. AJ wants to fight Wilder next. He's made that clear to all of us. He also feels that after talking to his trainer, Rob McCracken, uh, who's also his manager, that this fight should and must be delivered in the UK. One for the fans and t- for two reasons. One for the fans and two, uh, he feels that he's earned that right, which actually, Sal... We were talking about that yesterday, and, and I agree with, with that. Not, not only do I like these two reasons, and I have some more quotes, obviously, but not only do I like these two reasons that AJ is, is mentioning publicly, I like the fact that I agree uh, with uh, that he earned it. I, I mean, you know, how Team Wilder could even suggest that the first fight be in the, in the uh, U.S., uh, I-, I thought it was kind of ridiculous.
3: Well, you know, I think that there has to be a meeting of the minds and uh, ink to paper. And, yeah, I-, I I could definitely see Joshua wanting and desiring and having it go in his favor to have the first fight in the U.K. And uh, I-, I don't have a hard time with that at all. Uh, and I think that uh, Deontay Wilder should rise to the occasion go in there like a thief in the night and say, hey, I'm gonna, no, 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 uh, nothing disrespectful on that level. Just go in there, rip it apart, go in there and do the best he can and come away uh, as he intends to be a victor. And, you know, that's, that's, that's how you do it. You just rise to the occasion, you're another man's backyard, and you just disclose and dispose and do what you gotta do to win. And, uh, I mean, that's the mentality mindset. I'm not saying that's exactly what's gonna happen. But, uh, I think that, uh, the first fight in the U.K. It could be definitely valid and uh, should be a, a good thing for uh, Joshua to want to continue to pursue, just like it could be also a good thing here in the United States, the first fight, but I think uh, it's natural. We were talking about it to see the first fight in the U.K.
2: I don't think that the fight, I, honestly, with the exception of the money that uh, you know allegedly is being offered from, from Team Wilder, I think that that was the only reason that the first fight could have been in the U.S. Every other thing points to the first fight being in in the U.K. I mean, I agree with A.J. that he's definitely earned it. Uh, You know, if you want to do a belt count, he's got more belts, um, which, you know, we all hate that term, but it's true. Uh, And the other thing is he's a bigger name. And the fact that he wants to repay his fan base, that's important, not only to the fan base, but to the sport. That's the one knock that I've had on, uh, you know, big uh, uh, fighters in in the past, you know, big draw fighters, uh, pay-per-view type fighters, whatever. Um, You know, they don't respect their fans that basically gave them the lifestyle that they live right now, you know, And, and it seems that Anthony Joshua uh, does recognize that and respects it. Uh, the rest of the quotes from Eddie Hearn says, uh, uh, although there have been uh, talks that are continuing ongoing with Alexander Povetkin's team because he's our mandatory opponent for the WBA version of the titles. Uh, if it's not Wilder, it'll most certainly be Povetkin, which will be our next fight, which is also a tough fight. We'll see how the conversations go, but I'd say we've got another three weeks to go. So in other words, they're going to drag this out three weeks. And I've said all along, personally, I think that uh, um, the Pavetkin fight is actually a tougher fight for for Anthony Joshua because he seems to have trouble fighting the shorter guys. Uh, Eddie Hearn went on to say, a lot of it depends on Wilder's attitude towards it all. Uh, certainly, we don't have a problem if Wilder uh, was to win the fight doing a second one in America. He would have had earned the right. Uh, Wilder has boxed in Sheffield before. He's agreed to box in Russia for uh, $4 million. Uh, and, and as you recall, that was the fight against Pavetkin and Povetkin allegedly test positive for performance-enhancing drugs, which they later found out was false. And then Deontay hopped on a plane and and ran with his tail between his legs back to the U.S., never fought and never made that money, uh, at least in the ring. Uh, He says, when we sat down, it seemed a a little bit weird to be traveling to the U.S. uh, for a fight of this magnitude with so much on the line. As a fighter, Anthony Joshua doesn't care where the fight is. He doesn't know... Uh, enough about the game but Rob was like why go to America there's a difference in going uh, when it's the money it's it's not life-changing this money is he's he says yes fighting in the UK is an advantage but Anthony Joshua genuinely is thinking more of the fans in his decision how many would we be able to get in America Maybe six to ten thousand fans, which I think is a BS statement. That's a uh, you know any any arena that they stage to fight here in the U.S. will clearly uh, fill up. All right, it, the problem is is that we don't generally have fights in arenas that seat more than twenty uh, thousand people. So uh, that's the issue. I, I think that they're they're making a mistake here. I think they're just making it seem uh, a lot less. He says. A.J. said, is that it? When you're dealing with 90,000, he's talking about having it in uh, the U.K., and he could bring an undisputed champ to Britain. Uh, A.J. is uh, generally interested in that kind of stuff. The old saying about how you have to go to America to make it big, I don't see that happening anymore. Uh, That's not in A.J.'s mind. I think Rob uh, Rob McCracken is feeling, uh, as an ex-fighter, you should fight for these belts on your turf. There was an interview with AJ did after his last fight that's been played back a few times, and he basically says uh, for years and years, British fighters had to go to America for the big fights. Uh, Obviously, that's not the case anymore. He says AJ will have to take a pay cut to fight in the UK, and I don't think he's bothered by that at all. The offer that they made, if that was open to a UK fight, we would have signed immediately, but obviously they want to pay the money to get AJ into Wilder's backyard at the moment we're all still make talking and communication is continuing but there's a feeling from our camp this undisputed fight should definitely be in the uk uh rob who is his trainer and manager and an ex-fighter knows the advantage of being home aj genuinely loves fighting in the uk he knows that there's never been an undisputed fight here before He was the first unification fight in Britain in the heavyweight division. So to do an undisputed heavyweight unification fight in the UK would be historic. But whether Wilder's team feels the same, like I said, those talks are still ongoing. But that's the general feeling from Anthony Joshua and his manager slash trainer Rob McCracken. Uh, The question is, uh, will uh, this fight uh, come to tuition and will it take place uh, in the UK I think for all the reasons that Eddie Hearn has mentioned here, Sal, I agree. Um, I think that the first fight should be in the UK. I don't think that uh, Deontay Wilder uh, should be making any uh, type of demands at this point. He's got a simple decision to make. Do I want to fight Anthony Joshua? If I do, I have to go to... uh, um, uh, he says, I I, I know you. I, I dropped you for a second. He said, you know, bottom line is uh, Deontay Wilder has to make the decision. Does he want to go to the U.K. and fight Anthony Joshua? Does he want to fight Anthony Joshua now? If he does, he's got to go to the U.K. If not, tell him no, and let's both move on. What's your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, like I said,
3: if the two fighters want to fight each other, truly fight each other, everything else is secondary. And uh, getting in the ring uh, should be the the paramount goal that uh, that these two guys should have. And it could give validate a reason why uh, they could bring it to the United States. Well, you could rationalize and spit it anywhere you want it. But you know, and I'm sure Anthony Joshua, as much as he has claimed in the past that he'd love to fight in the U.S., I, I feel for this fight, I he'll probably feel like a jinx if it does. You know, and and because. Uh, it may not go his way Who knows But the bottom line is You know It it does make A little more sense uh, And you could Like I said This fight will be a winner No matter where it is They could meet In the middle of the ocean On a cruise liner And, and hey That's an idea uh, And have have A uh, ring built on a boat In between uh, But the bottom line is I think uh, It's natural uh, To have it in the UK You'll have a sold out stadium You'll have uh, the fanfare. You'll have uh, it'll just be like it always is in the UK—a big event, not just a boxing match.
2: You know, I I, I had said, and I, once again, I want to thank our UK correspondent for getting us the breaking news here. It's not on any other site, I'm sure. It will be during this show. Um, but uh, uh, the truth of the matter is, is I think that this fight. The magnitude of this fight, and we've been talking about this and beating this fight to death, Sal. We, we really have. I mean, let's be real. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is I think that this fight deserves to be in front of a huge live audience. I know the pay-per-view dollars are important, and I know that they're, they're going to do very well with pay-per-view. But in the in the large scope of things, I think the energy and excitement level that 90,000 fans bring to a fight elevates the fight and I think that it or it also has a tendency to bring out the best in both fighters Uh, you know I'm not suggesting that a small venue might not uh produce a a fighter giving it his all or or giving it her all Uh, but I tell you what and you know and you've said it yourself Sal there's nothing like getting the people that are behind you uh, in a live atmosphere, cheering, and you as a fighter in that ring, I know you try to block it out and focus on who's in front of you. But y- you got to admit it—it's there, and and you got to admit that it-, it gets your juices going. I see you. Sal's already smiling because he's going. You're damn right. I want to make a comeback yeah, right, now. A you know, right now. You know. <laughs> now. Who's that? Forty-five year old. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, too bad you're what 15 years older than him. But anyway, go ahead. What's yeah. your thoughts it's on that? A it's a number. <laughs> if you can count me out, you can count my age. That's right. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, don't you think that it means it, it, that it, it make, brings a uh, different uh, it does. Uh, a whole, atmosphere? A whole, let me tell you something. You were
3: so right on there. You know, when, when I would fight and I'd have either uh, three or 400 people uh, from, a, from Bergen County, New Jersey, showing up in Atlantic mm-hmm. City on three buses. Uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, and I hear them in a Sands Casino or the Convention Center or uh, whatever whatever venue I was fighting in, you know, it's electrifying. And you cannot, you don't, you you do not want to let your fans down and you're going to give it your all. And you know who's in the crowd there rooting for you. And the same thing, you know, you sell out Ice World or Totoa or some other stadium or some other venue. And, you know, you have a great fan support. It always feels good. Hey, same thing, you know. And then when I fight a contender in his hometown, when I had to go to the, the old Daisy Theater for for Robert Choo Choo Dixon. It was a 10-round war, main event. It was a great fight. Uh, and, you know, there were – I had nobody. I just had – I had Don Turner in my corner. I had uh, – uh, I think it was uh, uh, Don Turner, J.J. J. Johnson, and, uh, and Johnny Torres in my corner. And uh, my uncle also came along for the fight. He was my only fan there. And uh, – I heard everybody in the, in the stadium, and that fed my fire too. Saying send the Yankee home in a box, you know, and all this stuff, and, and rooting and booing me and everything else. Well, that got my juices going too, because the ultimate thing is I just love to fight. And, and but uh, yes, it does make a difference when you have a fanfare, you have that energy, you have the atmosphere electrifying you and. And, and, and respecting you and being there to support you. Yeah, come on. it's, it's like, hey, when I say it's we, it's we. And you know it, it's, it's funny, but it, it does feel like you have, you have a lot of people that you're gonna fight for and with and not just for yourself.
2: Hey, listen, uh, we're gonna take a short break and when we come back, um, I got another reason uh, why this fight should be in the UK and why Anthony Joshua, is more of a common name in the sport than Deontay Wilder, unfortunately for Deontay, and it's coming from an email. So uh, don't go no ass. Billy will be right back.
0: Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy Billy Interact with the show at
2: billycboxing.com. And where... Back, you're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Hey, don't forget, man. We're looking for uh, you. That's right. We're looking for you, wherever you're watching or listening to this show. To just take a second. You know, I know you're busy. I know you're busy, busy, busy. But take a second and uh, drop me an email. I'm I'm really trying to find uh, where uh, you're watching or listening the show. So if you could just take a minute, I'd appreciate it. Just drop me an email, Billy at talking. Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. We're just curious to find out what television networks, what radio stations, if you're watching uh, uh, on a simulcast, if you're watching on YouTube or a podcast, whatever, um, we need to know. So uh, drop us an email. I mean, I have the statistics, but I want to hear from you uh, directly. So, anyway, um, I got an email that I want to read, Sal, because. It, it kind of blends right in to what we're talking about. And in case you're joining us late, uh, the new word on the curb is that uh, uh, Anthony Joshua does not care about making uh, almost $10 million more uh, for fighting in the U.S. Uh, he wants to fight in the U.K. Uh, some of the reasons, uh, the two main reasons is that he wants, uh, he feels he earned it, which I agree, and he also wants to give, reward his fans for being so loyal, uh, which I also uh, agree with, and I, you know, the the bottom line is he's a bigger name in this sport that we all love, and here's a great indication of it, uh, I got an email from my man Coach, and you could check out uh, his website, uh, strictlybusinessboxing.com, has been very supportive uh, to us and this show, and uh He always bails my butt out of trouble when I'm having a brain loss or uh, if I need a a fact really quick. I I can always count on Coach to come up with it. Uh, But uh, he dropped me an email. He says, hey, Billy C., how about Anthony Joshua going to the NBA playoff game? Joshua executed a nifty give-and-go as Steph Curry wrapped up his warm-ups prior to Game 4 of the NBA Western Conference Finals at Oakland's Oracle Arena. Uh, somebody has to wake up team Wilder now the point here uh is that and and I wish somebody would should have woke up uh Steph Curry too because uh uh the uh uh the uh his team uh the Clippers right uh uh lost so it was Clippers right yeah yeah I'm pretty sure I'm not a huge uh uh basketball uh guy but uh uh in any event they lost to Houston I believe but uh Uh, they definitely lost to Houston I know that Um, here's the thing Sal you know here's Anthony Joshua in California by the way and he's attending an NBA game and he obviously if coach saw it he's getting TV time and it just goes to show you that he's a more popular boxing figure than Deontay Wilder who's a U.S. guy not only is Deontay Wilder a, a U.S. fighter he's a heavyweight champion and when you say things because you're forced, like Deontay Wilder is, to promote himself, I, I, I'm gonna kill some. I want to kill somebody in the ring. What happens is sponsors. And, uh, and potential uh, advertisers and supporters they stay away man they distance themselves from you look what happened with with Mike Tyson and Pepsi after he's like I, I want to eat your children's you know we better we better get away from this I guy kid, yeah yeah we, we, we need to get, yeah we need to get away from this guy you know and and, and you know here we got Anthony Joshua who's got all these sponsorship deals and uh, you know he's he's sitting in here and he's he's in LA he's getting uh, you know cheering and everything else and Deontay Wilder has been, he's, he's doing his best impression of a mime lately because he hasn't said anything. What's your thoughts? Well, you know my thoughts. I think that, you know, again, Team Wilder
3: has disappointed uh, me and, and I'm sure Deontay because, you know, this guy should be present. He should be throwing out the first pitch to a Yankee game or something else like that. I mean, this, this is the magnitude of his presence. It should be known. And especially here in the United States. And there's a team behind him to do it. And, yeah, have them throw out a first pitch at a Met game or a Yankee game. Have them show up at a, at a sporting event. Have them do what, what Anthony Josh was doing. Anthony Josh was trying to gain some fans a good base here, too. And, uh, you know, you sow the seeds. Uh, You make the rounds. You do what you got to do. I mean, he should have a whole itinerary, especially if he's idle right now. What else is he doing? Uh, He could be flying and showing up and doing whatever he's got to do. He could be doing commercials. He could be doing a lot of things. He's got to have, you know, the management team and agents behind him to make this happen. Well, so he is a household name. I mean, uh, uh, that's it. I mean, he's a heavyweight champion of the world. One of the belts, okay? uh, You know, and, and to be... Out there, and to, to have your name in the, in the the press, and to have your name and face uh, uh, being able to be identified and recognized, uh, you know, is a big thing. I think, and I think that'll help, you know, just build the momentum
2: and popularity and and everything else going forward. Well. Nobody's gonna want you to even throw out a first pitch if the last words that came out of your mouth that were publicized was you want to kill someone in the ring. I mean, I, you know, um, I'm telling you right now, it just seems that the the fans that are so supportive of Deontay Wilder, and I hate to say it, but it's true, that they're into that you know that thug mentality. You know, they like that gangster stuff. You know, and you know it you know it seems I will say this and it's true. The truth of the matter is is a lot of people when they're young they fall into that uh, type of stuff so to speak those kinds of crowds etc but most of them as they age and as they you know become part of of the workforce and and more entrenched in in society and also maybe raising a family they realize that you know, that's not the smart approach. And uh, they they cool out a little. I mean, we've all been a little wild when, when we're when we're young. And I think that what's happening with Deontay and I actually don't blame it all on him and I've said this Sal many oh, times. No, know you know, it's people. it's the fact that he doesn't have people doing it for him. No. And and he doesn't know any other way. You know, his way is, uh, let me do something outrageous. Let me get in the press. Let me do it. And he, and he, and he comes complete. out. Well, that shock was the wrong approach, you know, with the, I want to kill somebody. And everybody is, 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 you know, kept their distance. The only thing I'll give him credit for is keeping his mouth shut during the negotiation period. But it ain't all about the money to AJ. And, uh, you know, as a matter of fact, Anthony Joshua uh, is doing a U.S. tour. He is. He is uh, becoming more popular here in the states. You know? Oh, he is. So, and and I think he always was. I think more people know Anthony Joshua than Deontay Wilder right here in the states, Sal.
3: Well, you know, again, I, I just think that uh, Deontay Wilder needs to have some positive marketing behind him and and uh, get uh, get the. Uh, get him, himself uh in a position to be uh at an event and then say something nice or say or do something he's got to he's got to come up with something to market himself and, and just because i want to see this guy succeed not only in this fight that fight but he is a success in the in the boxing world but he later on in life and he's doing it now maybe he maybe he Donates to charities. Maybe he does a fundraiser. Maybe he does things like this. He's a humanitarian. I don't know, but uh, they should see that that side and uh, try to uh, promote it for him because you know I think he's a decent guy and I'm
2: not a thug and I like Deontay Wilder and I, I'm a big fan of his. I know you are. I know you are. I know you are, but that's not going to help Deontay. You know, uh, uh, Deontay needs more help than uh, Sal Cola being his fan. I, uh, you know, the the truth of the matter is, is, um, you know, I, 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 see, just like I said yesterday, I see this fight getting dragged on, and you know, I, my 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 big question is, let's just. Say that Deontay Wilder fights Dominic Brazil next, and Anthony Joshua fights Alexander Povetkin next. And let's say that Anthony Joshua is similar to his last two fights, wins uh, somewhat of a boring decision uh, over Povetkin, maybe even controversial because he does have trouble over. Uh, you know, with with smaller fighters. And Deontay Wilder knocks out Dominic Brazil in, in dramatic fashion similar to what he did with Luis Ortiz. I think My, he would. Okay, well, I, I think that Brazil is a tough opponent for, for Wilder. Yeah. I really do. But let me ask you this, you yeah. know, uh, Mr. Fan, Mister Wilder fanboy. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you think if that scenario unfolded just the way I described that it would add value to Deontay Wilder? I
3: think that would add value later after he fights uh, Anthony Joshua. That's a good bout to have. But like I said, I think both camps would be foolish if they're going to jeopardize the millions of dollars and this title belt uh, from being exchanged between these two guys right now. This should be the front foremost fight on each other's minds because there's too much at risk, too many variables that can occur and happen. That will negate or ever allow this fight to happen If they do not sign, seal, and deliver it right now I, You know the game, Bill It's none of, There's no guarantees of tomorrow So, you know, the bottom line is I think that's a great fight I would like to see that fight uh, But I do think that the, the biggest fight That we could generate right now That they could generate for us And the fan base
2: Is to have the showdown between
3: Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder That's That's the
2: only fight I want to see I got you, and 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 me too, and and most fans. But I don't think I don't think the, it'll hurt him. Well, I don't think it'll help him. That's the, the point I'm getting no. at. Is why risk it? You know, I've said all along risk that reward. my my uh, that that the, price the, best, worth the, price. the best the best the best scenario really financially safety yeah. et cetera et cetera et cetera would be for uh, these guys to get together, fight, sign a three fight agreement where the first fight is Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder in England, okay, or, or uh, I, yeah, in England, okay, and um, the second fight could be a fight of both of their choices, whoever it may be against, because whoever lost the first fight needs to get a win, and then the third fight to take place in America, regardless, and, and have the stipulation in the contract that win lose a draw that they are going to do the two fights the first one in the uk and the second one in america win lose a draw with any of the three fights even the the one in between and i think if they signed a contract an agreement uh, uh, about that they have solidified huge money for three fights and the risk factor is removed sal it's removed because, I, I mean, t- it doesn't take a brain surgeon. I, You know, I can't believe that I'm the only one thinking of a, a contract like that. You know, I, I mean, that's what I would have proposed. And to be honest with you, it's impossible to say no. It's like uh, what we like to say. It's an offer he couldn't refuse. I mean, I just think I that that's the way to go with this case. What's your thoughts real quick? I got to take a
3: break. Okay, I think it's a great thought. I I, I could tell you stayed at another Holiday Inn Express last night, and I'll tell you what, I would uh, welcome a scenario like that. I think it's uh, I
2: think it's perfect. I agree with me and you. I agree with me. Hey. I
3: like that. I can use that today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I agree with me. I agree with <laughs> I agree what, the what time. I agree with me. But uh, anyway, Sal, we'll, we'll uh, throw you to the curb. We'll come back to you in a little bit. Everybody else uh, coming up next, we have uh, Larry Hazard scheduled to join us. So, uh, don't go nowhere. Billy C. will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. you got to check this out, man. www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com and tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes
1: me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in.
0: Because we want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson.
2: Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait,
0: what? what? No way. I,
2: I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there.
0: Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com
2: And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us and uh, joining us right now. Uh, the New Jersey Boxing Commissioner and Boxing Hall of Famer, my man Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Hey, good morning. How you, How you doing? Man? Good, man. I'm good doing. Man. I'm. I'm doing good today. Um, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, let's talk about the uh, uh, Adonis Stevenson Badu Jack fight. Um, first and foremost, I I, I loved the fight, uh, or at least the second half of the fight. I, I don't understand. I actually scored the fight 115-113 for, for Badu Jack, but it was so close. I, I'm not calling it a robbery by any stretch of I, I think it, it was a draw, so I don't have a problem there at all. Uh, what I have a problem with, and I'm sure you've seen this many, many times, I think it's the most ridiculous game plan to come up with by giving up, purposely giving up rounds Uh, to to try to win in the second half of the fight maybe uh, by knockout or or hoping that your opponent runs out of gas or whatever because if you can't pull the KO you risk not only losing the fight but end up what happened to uh, Badu Jack. What was your thoughts on that game plan by uh, Lou DeVal?
1: Well, I don't think that's good. I don't think it's a good game plan because especially when you look at The rules of the sport, first off, you're gambling too much. Let's say you're going to give up the first half of the fight. And then as you begin to come on, okay, the first half of the fight would be like five or six rounds. So let's just go into the fifth round. You're into the fifth round. uh, You've pretty much given up the first half. You've lost the first four rounds, so to speak and I'm going to keep it very basic. All of a sudden now, um, you start to come on, round five, round six, and even round seven, but you're still behind by two or three points because you intentionally gave up the first half. Now you get an accidental cut, and the fight has to be stopped. Well, you've lost the fight right there because you gave away the fight, okay, Not, not taken into consideration. That in a fight, anything could happen. So you um, experience now an accidental headbutt, and the fight has to be stopped. Well, championship rules, we go four rounds, it's a legitimate fight. So the fight's over. You've already lost. That's number one. Number two, um, who gives up anything in boxing? You know, when you're in shape, you're in condition, you go out there to win, man. You go out to win from the first sound of that bell. There's, to me, that's the most ridiculous strategy there is. You don't give up anything in a fight, you know. That's like, okay, we're going to sacrifice war, okay, so that we can win the, the war. You just don't sacrifice. You don't do that. Boxing is war, man. You know, you, you go out round one, you want to win every round. And you should be in condition to go the championship distance. So if the hey, if your opponent takes you 12, takes you the distance, so be it. That's what it's all about. But I think that that's, the worst, that's one of the worst strategies uh, anyone could come up with. And I don't have a problem with making some adjustments as you go along. You know, um, well, you know, maybe you have to kind of ease off in this round. You might hurt your hand or whatever. That's all a part of strategy. But to intentionally go out with a game plan that we're going to give up four or five rounds and then we're going to uh, come on and win the fight, I think that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and and you make some great points uh, about – uh, uh, you know, an unintentional butt that that forces the scorecards. I mean, you know, and, and next thing you know, you're you kicking yourself in the butt because you said, oh, geez, you know, what was I doing? That's why I love fighters like Vasily Lomachenko, Mikey Garcia, and Gary Russell, we'll get to him in a second. These guys, you know, even if they're going to take a round off, so to speak, or if they want to, you know, try to tire their opponent out, whatever the game plan is, they make sure that they at least win the round. They're not, they're not looking to make that, you know, should it be a 10-8 round domination, but just enough to win a round it could be a better approach even when you're, you're going to, you know, pour it on in the second half of the fight. This way, you're, you're not against the wall. I, I think that that was, although in theory I understand what they were trying to do, but in this sport... I think that was a mistake, and I think it cost him the fight. I I, I don't I didn't really see anything from Madonna Stevenson that would suggest that uh, Badu Jack uh, made the right move by giving up those rounds. I I, I think he should have, uh, you know, uh, given given it at least fifty percent in the first ones. He would have he would have won those rounds because on those scorecards. And again. I couldn't help but think of you. I think more of you during fights than than I'm watching a fight because in that fight is another great example of a, a Larry hazardism. I'm gonna call it a hazardism because the truth is is that the first five, six rounds were so close, you know, you give it the nod to Stevenson, but those second half of that fight, Badu Jack battered Stevenson. And at the end, we end up with two, two scores of even when realistically the fight wasn't even. And, and once
1: again, and you're going to hear it from me, until I, I start to see it. Either way you look at it, either way you look at it, and I'm, and I'm like you on this, I agree with you 100% that it was uh, Badu, because of his second-half performance, He made it very close. He did, luckily. But you're not going to tell me that the rounds in which he won and which I thought he won big were equal to the close rounds and deserving of the same score of a 10-9. That is ridiculous. In a 10-point must system, that is ridiculous. You're going to tell me that not one or possibly two of those Badu rounds, because he had the big rounds. The big rounds were uh, Badu's rounds, okay? And you're not going to tell me that at least one or two of those rounds could not have been 10, eight without a knockdown. And you know what, really else, you know what else, really galls me. I'm going to tell you what really galls me. If you're going to have people doing a job then they should be well-versed in what they're doing, okay? Now, I got a lot of respect for Steve Farhood, who has never been a judge, by the way, who's never gone through the rudiments or seminars and learning about real judging. He misled the public by stating, telling the public, well, you know, the round has to be 10-9 without a knockdown. Okay, he actually said something to that, I'm paraphrasing, okay? Well, that's misinforming the public. Because you're starting out already with a, with a public that thinks that they know all about scoring and everything else. And you have a captive audience being on the audience. Teach the fans about what the judges are looking for, teach them about the rudiments of of uh, scoring the fight and make sure that you give them the right information you don't have to knock your opponent down in order to earn a ten eight score that is totally a fabrication That is totally not true and for him to say that i think is very misleading and once again i'm back and i'm going to keep preaching it you got a ten point must system from ten Down to one Okay Why do judges Constantly You cannot tell me That every single one of those rounds Were identical For the winner Okay You know it And I know it It's not true But you know what judges do They keep the fight close And it's a disservice To the fighters They keep the fight close because they know that the final rounds are the, the rounds that are always more vivid in the minds of the fan. And the fighter who or, or wins the early rounds, you know, people forget about that. And so they don't score properly. They keep it 10-9, 10-9, keep, keep it close. And as they get towards what we call those championship rounds, those last three or four rounds, now they start to open it up a little bit and so if the decision comes out a close decision it's more palatable more palatable for the fans and they don't get criticized okay if you can't stand the heat get the hell out of the kitchen
2: you know i Agree with you 100 percent, and and you could even make a, a really good argument that I mean I agree yeah. that there had to be at least two there could have been at yeah. least two rounds in the second half of the fight that could have been scored 10-8 in favor of uh, Badu Jack, but clearly that, yes. clearly the last round should have been because uh, because Stevenson was hanging on. I, as a matter of fact, I thought that Jack was actually going to drop him. Uh, in the final 12 seconds or so of that fight I I, I saw Stevenson uh, you know with that teeter and looking like he was about to go out and and that referee was terrible again you know and and, and we had
1: refereeing job well
2: well the guy in the Russell one I'll get to that too but uh, Ian John Lewis was I, I mean you know Stevenson also could have been um, t- a point could have been deducted in that fight. Uh, for him holding, he was holding nonstop. As a matter of fact, his corner was instructing him to hold. Don't let him get off. Don't let him throw punches. You know, they knew that he was out of gas. And then, uh, and and then and
1: every time Badu tried to work inside, here comes the ref.
2: I know. I know. And and the other thing was, was I only thought that Badu Jack threw one, maybe two punches that strayed below the belt I saw several uh, beautiful body shots on the belt and uh, you know Ian John Lewis was was warning him for low blows even forced the corner to say no more body shots I didn't want to risk uh, losing a point but uh, you know referees should not dictate how a fight goes and I thought that it was clear bias on on uh, Ian John Lewis's uh, part and a guy who normally never, Goes against the grain with stuff like that. In Al Bernstein, he was saying it on the broadcast. So, what was your thoughts? Was would you have? Would you have? Would you? Have, but but why do you think he got hit? But why do you think you you forgot? No, the referee
1: punched. I know. Okay, because but, he's he's get the heck out the way, man.
2: Would People you ha- want to
1: see the fight? Would they you don't want to see the referee?
2: Let me ask you: Would you have said something if this was on your turf after that fight? Would you have said something that Ian John Lewis says, "Hey, you ever do that again? You're never going to ref." Would you have? Would you have uh, challenged him on that?
1: Well, I probably would have waited and sent him a nice letter. You know, I try to be professional about it, and I would have pointed out to him because it's about learning and it's about teaching. So I don't want to criticize. I try not to criticize any official unless it's constructive. Okay. Now, if they want to challenge, if they want to challenge what I'm saying, then I'm prepared to debate the issue because I think I know what I know. But I don't want to just um, challenge them openly. And I don't, you know, I would pick, I would pick the time to do it. I don't think that that would be the time. I would send them a nice letter, or I'd give them a phone call. And I told him, I said, "Hey, look, I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. I thought you did a poor job refereeing, and this is the reason why, okay? And then I'll go into it. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, pat anybody on the back. Oh, great job, great job. When it wasn't, that's bullshit, okay? Because they're not gonna, they're gonna walk away feeling that they did a great job when they didn't. So I think you're doing them a disservice, you know." But be constructive. You don't have to tell them, oh, you did a rotten job and then walk away. No. You tell them, I'm not pleased with the job that you did, and this is what I think you should do to improve. Okay? And I feel very confident doing that because I did it for so many years. Okay? And I've had it done to me. I had it done to me, and I thought that that made me better. You know, it made me better, and um, I, I appreciated it. So, you know... That's the way it goes, man. Now, this guy thinks that he did a great job in the fight, when personally, I don't think he did. And he did a disservice. He did, to me, he did a disservice to Badu Jack, because I had Badu Jack winning that fight. And I was, man, you know, I don't have long hair, but I was pulling my nubs out. (laughs) Every time he jumps in there, when Badu, when he had uh, Stevenson tired, I I actually thought he was going to stop him. I thought he was going to hit him with a good shot. Either a body shot or he was going to catch him with an uppercut because he was trying to get in close. And every time he got in close, here comes the referee. I said, well, he's taking the fight away from him.
2: Yeah, he's taking his fight. He's taking what he was trying to do away. But uh, the the fight that I enjoyed... Uh, a hell of a lot was was the uh Gary Ru- Gary Russell Jr against Jojo Diaz fight. Man, was I impressed with 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 Russell. I've always liked Gary Russell Jr. However, I did actually pick Jojo Diaz because I thought that he was going to be too big and strong uh for for Russell. And and Russell you know, he's, he's been protected uh, pretty well. But, man, did he impress me. He was clearly the smaller guy. He took some hellacious body shots from Jojo Diaz. And yet he maintained his punch output, his movement, that blazing speed, speed kills. Um, what was your thoughts on, on his performance?
1: Well, I agree with you 100%. But I, I, I thought that Russell would win. But you know what my knock on Russell is? My knock on Russell is is that I think he would be a much greater fighter or a much, much better fighter if he fought more often. Right. You don't see the guy. You know, here's a diamond that nobody wants to let shine. This guy is very talented, okay? Uh, he seems to be well-conditioned, you know, when he fights. You know, I don't see him... You know, he doesn't, he doesn't dog it, okay? And he knows his way around the ring, but I think that if they fought him a little bit more. Well, we don't see him, what, once or twice? I don't even know if you see him. Does he fight twice a year? Once a year. You almost forget about that he's around. But I thought he, um, I agree with you 100%, man. That was a It was a, a very entertaining fight, and uh, I like Russell, you know, but I, I thought he was going to win it, okay? But um, Diaz made it very, you know, he made it entertaining. He made it rather close, and uh, Russell came out on top because of his skills and his ring savvy and his superb conditioning
2: what about that referee chavonia chavone whatever i i i i've never liked that referee this this he just and and he was very biased he was he was slapping around gary russell in, uh, during that fight i mean you know he he seemed like he was um you know warning russell a, a lot um and I, I don't know i i i thought it was very I didn't like the job of of on those two main fights of the weekend. I thought the refereeing uh, was terrible in both. What was your thoughts on on the referee job that uh, Shivoni well, well, did?
1: Well, well, I thought that Chevalier was trying to, you know, I thought he was a, a being a little uh, um, aggressive with the warnings, and you know, I think he was just trying to do too good a job. Okay, but he's not a bad referee. I've seen him uh, several times. Um, and um, I, you know he he just had an off night also, but he wasn't as bad as the other guy, in my opinion.
2: You know the, the thing is is I, I over, I've always said I, a referee should not have a he shouldn't be a fan of either fighter at least during the fight, and a lot of times you, you you notice an obvious bias, you know, and you know between the refereeing and the judging. I mean, we got to tighten that up uh, because that's where the controversies start. And when you see uh, crazy scorecards, that's when people start talking, uh, you know, uh, robberies or, or corruption, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. yes but yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, Larry, one last thing I wanted to to ask you before we let you go is today uh, we are doing a blast from the past on. Uh, uh, James Scott, former light heavyweight uh, contender. Oh, and I, I know man. we've talked about him in the past, and he just passed away a couple of weeks ago. And um, oh. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on James Scott. I mean, obviously, you know, he was in your backyard, and I, I just remember watching him and, and just the feeling I got, uh, you know, watching him on television with, you know, with the Bob wire in in the prison. Um, it just – it was, it was kind of, it had me glued every time he fought. What was your thoughts on James Scott, the fighter?
1: Well, James Scott, you know, we, we sort of grew up together. You can't wait, same neighborhood. Um, know the family. And um, as you know, I used to go into the prison, the Rawway State Prison. I did several of his fights. I did the fight against, the best one, I think, was uh, against uh, Dwight Braxton Kwawe, Um I did uh, several other uh, of his fights. Well, it's a sad story. Here's a guy who certainly, I believe, could have been uh, a a top contender um, at the time when he was fighting uh, in the prison. You know, I knew it was a matter of time before he lost the fight. I, I never thought that he would, would win the championship being behind bars because you just don't, you know, that's not the environment. You won't get the type of uh, training people think because you're back there, you know, you're not hanging out, you're not doing this and that. But you still, you know, that that environment I don't think could produce a world champion while they're still there. Uh, perhaps uh, he could have, um, if he had gotten out and, and got an uh, uh, opportunity to be out into the real world with fighters, I think he would have done a lot better. But it's it's kind of a sad story because he's a person who I think could have used boxing at some point in his life to turn his life around, you know. But, you know, situation was what it was. But I do believe that you have to consider him to be among, you know, the best light heavyweights during that era because he did he did fight and compete against some of the top-notch fighters, and he defeated several of them. So, you know, it's just another one of those um, stories uh, in boxing history that, uh, you know, it is what it is, but he passed away uh, a week ago, and um, I think that his name should be uh included right along there with some of the others during his era you know he beat he beat um eddie mustafa he beat him and uh um, that's about it on james scott you know
2: yeah it's uh it was a shame um you know the, the course that he chose but uh uh, was an exciting yeah. fighter, and then once he did lose, that was basically the end. They they didn't give him uh, uh, anymore. And and one quick question: um, Do they still have? I mean, during his time, and I'm I'm jumping the gun because we'll be talking about this uh, in the next segment. But they used to have like prison champions and 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 actual you know fights all the time. Do they still do that in the in the prison system, uh, or has you know the prisons become so violent? that they don't uh, promote even, you know, any kind of uh, uh, organized, uh, uh, you know, boxing, fighting, whatever? Well, they
1: don't do it anymore in New Jersey. And, of course, it became pretty um, well-known with James Scott. That's where the focus on boxing in the prisons kind of, you know, snowballed. But I don't know of any uh, programs anywhere else And as far as prison champions, you know they used to have most of the fights that took place in the uh, penal institutions were at the amateur level, and we had many of them here in New Jersey. I used to go in and out all the time, you know, and there were several guys who would have been, if they had the opportunity, would have been, you know, some outstanding talents. Uh, if they had had the opportunity to get out of the prison and continue um, the boxing their boxing careers, but what happened? you know you, the politics start to come in to a lot of that, especially when the television you start showing it on television, you know it's all kinds of politics that um, start to come out of that. But as far as boxing is concerned, you know the, if if you had a program, If those programs, you know, would continue in the prisons, I think that, uh, you know, you you could get some some real talents coming out of there if they could, you know, have the opportunity to continue once they came out. So right now there's no more boxing activities here in New Jersey unless it's somewhere else. I haven't heard of any anywhere else really.
2: No, I think uh, I think they don't do it anymore. Um, But uh, you know, you know, it's always been a positive. I mean, the Catholic uh, churches used to have the boxing classes, and you know, you used to. I mean, all there's a a lot of great, uh, all-time great fighters that that basically, uh, you know, reformed school or, or looking at jail or whatever and, and took up boxing for disciplinary uh, reasons. And, you know, those are the podis- positive side, but, you know, obviously everyone looks at the negatives. But, uh, yeah, hey, listen, Larry, be, what's that? It would be a great idea.
1: Wouldn't it be a great idea if they um, at some point brought boxing into the interscholastic sports, you know, in the school system? You know, they always offer that excuse about insurance. My gosh, they got football. You know, with kids are, uh, you know, the chances of um, CTE and all of that other brain injuries. You know, boxing in many ways is much safer.
2: Oh, so the, a much it's, safer competition it's, than football. It's the, it's the statistically proven that it's safer. I, I went through this whole thing a a couple of years ago with the the the, the stats. Suggesting, you know, real quickly, boxing. I got to take a break here, Larry. But boxing, you're taught to avoid the, the the punch. In football, you're launching yourself. But you know, with today's school, they are it is making a comeback on a collegiate level. Uh, but in, in today's school. The parents are to blame because they it everybody it's a participation. Everybody gets a trophy. Why does this one get a game ball and my kid didn't? How come my kid's on the bench? He's there to have fun and the coach is like, We're here to win, you know? But uh uh, you know, you can't have uh, you can't just be all fun and games and boxing and you know, mom and dad thinks they, they have the wrong approach because they never did it. It's the same problem i have with the television execs who make the decisions whether they're going to take the fight on or not and they don't even know boxing you know boxing needs boxing people to run it larry just like all the other sports it's the only sport that all you need is a couple of bucks and you're in you know that but uh uh in any event hey listen enjoy the long weekend and uh we'll look forward to you next week brother okay billy all right take care Okay, that's uh, my man Larry Hazard giving us his thoughts. Uh, before I take a quick break here, I want to give a uh, shout out. Uh, we have a uh, super chat from my man Matt, and uh, Matt says uh, Triple G Canelo rematch uh, is going to be announced next week. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I I, uh, uh, I hope uh, I hope they do fight. To be honest, but uh, uh, we will uh, take a short break, and uh, when we come back, Alex Papali. And I will be doing our blast from the past. Uh, Don't go anywhere I'll be back in two. Billy C
0: will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. (laughs) That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And it's that time again. That's right, our Blast from the Past. Our longest-running segment uh, of this 15 years we've been doing the show. And this week's Blast from the Past is being uh, brought to us in part by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Sign up and join today. And it's also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game, a simulation game that we actually use for this segment. Segment in uh, For the, this week's segment uh, of The Blast from the Past, we're featuring former light heavyweight uh, contender James Scott. And joining us right now to tell us about James Scott uh, is my man uh, Alex uh, Perpali. What's up, brother? Good morning, Billy C. How
4: are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. I uh, I was hoping to get a little more light uh, behind me there to light up that nice poster of Floyd Mayweather for you, but I got a couple of bulbs uh oh. Thank God.
2: Uh, you know, I I, I was hoping that maybe, <laughs> I, I was hoping maybe the tornado sucked that poster right up through the cone, but uh, uh, in any event, uh, uh, James Scott,
4: an interesting guy, huh? definitely yeah i i didn't know that he had passed away uh, uh and yeah he just passed away a couple of weeks ago may se- may 6th i guess
2: yeah yeah he was an interesting uh guy i used to uh love watching his fights on uh network television most of his fights
4: were on network television yeah he had uh, i guess seven uh nationally televised bouts and uh, they were all from prison um yeah uh This, I mean, like you were saying with Larry, uh, I think that that's one of those things that, um, you know, American society, we just don't um, really believe in uh, rehabilitation as much anymore. Uh, Certainly, we wouldn't offer uh, inmates a chance to work in the prize ring, I I guess, because the... you know relationship boxing has uh in the mainstream culture but it, it sounds like that's kind of what ended his career uh i just was reading an obituary that uh uh bernard fernandez did uh who was a long-term uh philadelphia daily news boxing writer um and it seems like that's part of what ended was uh the um uh lawmaker uh, uh this guy who had been a warden, uh, hat track was his last name. Uh, he ended up in 79 being switched to a jet desk job. And, uh, once that happened, the program sort of went bye-bye and that was it. So, um, James Scott lost his, uh, boxing ranking. And, uh, soon after, um, you know, he, uh, he, he, his career ended in 1981 at, at, you know, after also taking a loss, yeah. In addition to the uh,
2: <coughs> lawn service, uh, we 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 got a really bad uh, connection oh, you with you today. Yeah, we, we it's really choppy we do and have uh, a bad connection. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know what want the deal is, back? but uh, uh, it's uh, hopefully it'll improve because I, I I don't know how long I can keep going like that. But the truth. Get a call back or something? Um, uh, yeah. Why don't you? Uh, and I'll we will. Out. Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put. Uh. uh my man Alex uh, on hold here for a second, and uh, we will try to uh, uh, have him uh, give us a shout back because the uh, uh, connection is, is awful. It's, it started, uh, Larry was uh, a little uh, choppy himself, but uh, uh, with the video feed and stuff, uh, Alex is uh, coming over uh, um, awful. But uh, in any event, uh, we apologize for that. But uh, James Scott, you know, I, like I was saying to, to Larry earlier, um, I remember this guy. I remember just being glued to the set. He was an intimidating-looking guy. Uh, the fact that you saw uh, some prisoners in the background and the and the barbed wire, and they would set the ring right up in in the center uh, of the uh, prison, it just it gave this feel. It was just a scary feel. And the truth of the matter is. Is uh, you know he he had some great wins against top notch fighters. I mean Eddie Mustafa Muhammad in 1978, uh, he won a 12 round decision. That was a, a huge fight. That's actually uh, what uh, what kept his
4: whole thing going uh, from the televised uh, side, right, Alex? Yeah, that was the fight that was on uh, HBO that got him uh, national uh, international notoriety. It really. Uh, propelled him into the upper echelon of uh, 175 pound division and at the time I mean that uh, light heavyweight was full of uh, just a bunch of brutes uh, they were really a whole bunch of good light heavyweights at that time you had Eddie Mustafa Muhammad at the time was Eddie Gregory uh, you had Dwight Braxton who was uh, became Dwight Muhammad Kawi you had a young guy named Michael Spinks and uh, uh, Matthew Saad Muhammad Jerry uh, B- Martin and Yaki Lopez these guys were all badasses uh, and James Scott was among them uh, James Scott he was six feet I don't think we did the particulars here he was uh, born October 17 1947 he was six foot one inches tall and yeah uh, bald uh, very uh, chiseled muscular frame very intimidating and uh, he he was intimidating and he liked to use it and um at 13 he had gotten into trouble and ended up in uh reform schools and um and eventually it was you know uh it it was an armed robbery that got him into prison uh he was released on on parole and um ended up in Miami, where he had started boxing in prison. And uh, once he started boxing in Miami, there was a parole violation, and they hauled him back to uh, New Jersey, where he went back to Rahway, right. and that's where he ended up having those pro fights. And you're right, HBO actually came right to Rahway State Prison to broadcast that fight. You know, the
2: uh, one of the things about uh, uh, James Scott— uh, that people may not know is that he, it's not like he started out boxing and got into trouble and and started a, a, a you know his uh, in and out of a prison. I'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, while he was in jail uh, serving uh, uh, you know uh, his time, he met up with former middleweight contender and a fighter that I always liked. I mean, I thought this kid had uh, one of the best uh, left hooks in, in the business, but he too uh, couldn't keep out of trouble in Reuben Hurricane Carter. And they used to let these guys spar and, and fight each other and stuff, and nobody uh, could uh, uh, last, uh, uh, you know, more than one round with Ruben Hurricane Carter. And not only did James Scott last one, he lasted three, and apparently... Uh, He was only uh, one of two or three other prisoners that ever were able to last three rounds with Ruben Hurricane Carter. And that actually got him into the sport. So he was kind of self-taught with the uh, help of uh, uh, Carter. So, I mean, here's a guy that really didn't even have uh, an amateur background and, and, you know, was successful way beyond uh, what the expectations must
4: have been? Absolutely, and I think it's fascinating because it seems like it's almost like it's it's their it's its own little world of prison boxing, and uh, and that did come to fruition uh, in that um, in the final fight of his career. What you and um, and Larry were mentioning uh, against uh, Dwight Braxton, uh, who became Dwight Muhammad Kawi who was also uh, had been an inmate at Raway. So there was sort of, you know, that was a, um, a prison, intra-prison rivalry. You know, the guy who had gone off, left prison, become a professional boxer, was coming back, and in that fight, got fought against uh, type. He wasn't the, you know, marauding, aggressive, uh, Fighter that he usually was, he was more of a contemplative. Uh, he tried to box. He was very defensive. I think he was worried about Braxton's power, and uh, he ended up losing a decision. But that night of the uh, the win over Eddie Mustafa Muhammad, uh, um, that uh, Harold Letterman there was there and was one of the official judges. And Harold Letterman later talked to Bernard Fernandez, and he called. James Scott, one of the greatest 175-pounders I've ever seen in my life. That night, I guess he just uh, looked incredible uh, and really did uh, hand um, Eddie Gregory quite a uh, beating.
2: He had some uh, big wins over some, uh, like you mentioned, some top contenders of the time. Uh, Eddie Mustafa Muhammad uh, really put him on the map. Uh, but uh, Richie Cates was a 35-4 and fighter that he uh, stopped in the 10th and final round. Uh, Bunny Johnson was a uh, talented fighter. He fought him, uh, stopped him in 7 of 10. Uh, Bunny had a record of 52-11 in uh, 1. He also fought Ennio uh, Cormedi, who was 30 wins, 4 losses, and 3 draws. I mean, all these guys that he fought... Uh, from the prison, with the exception of one, were all uh, rated fighters. Uh, Jimmy Celestine, Yaki Lopez. uh, I believe Yaki Lopez is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Jerry Martin, he lost to. uh, David Lee Royster is the only easy fight, uh, I think, that he was handed in the prison. Uh, David Lee Royster went in with a 500 record, 15 and 15, with a couple of draws. And then his last uh, fight, Dwight Muhammad Kwa'i. So, uh, you know, he didn't have... Uh, easy fights in prison and um, you know I, I mean he, you know they I think he was doing better than they thought and then they were wondering geez what's he what's gonna happen if this guy uh, gets a legitimate title shot and uh, you know I I, I I guess that was a concern but uh, at the time the ratings were good
4: and uh, it was what it was right yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it was interesting because, you know, you can see uh, on, on YouTube, you see some of the uh, broadcasts that were from, you know, regular uh, network TV, and they did. They went into the prison, you know, and they 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 talk about that aspect as like, you know, we're on location today from a strange location. Uh, so there was that added drama. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, that's where... Uh, the whole idea behind it was it was another form of trying to find in, inmates a uh, a job for after their prison career so not only was that possible as as a prize fighter themselves but you the, the people everybody was inmates the people who worked the corner were inmates the people who carried the spit bucket were inmates so you know there was there was potential careers there uh, and jobs, not just the fighter itself uh, himself. There was other jobs that were you know you got some sort of live training for, uh, and yeah, that whole mentality really um, has gone away uh, now. The only thing we like to see our inmates do is either just be locked up or uh, maybe by the side of the road picking up garbage. But that idea of, um, you know, re- rehabilitation programs, that doesn't really get a lot of mileage these days politically. You don't hear uh, many people pushing those kind of things, and that that's sort of what this was.
2: Well, th- there's a big difference today. I mean, uh, James Scott, and and you're right, and, and here's the other part of— the James Scott slash inmate situation at Railway Prison, um, if the fight was going to be taking place, and and obviously everyone knew that uh, James Scott would be fighting, if you as a prisoner uh, disrupted anything or weren't on your best behavior, you were not permitted to watch that fight. So it kind of kept people in check. Um, I think what's happened, what's drastically happened. Uh, today in our prison system is the gang uh, introduction in the prison basically they're running their lives uh, in, in the prison society, in the prison world. and because it's become so violent that they they limit these guys' interaction to try to keep order uh, within the prisons. and I think that that's one of the reasons that these types of programs uh, got kicked to the curb, you know and it's not really, I think it's I think it's the inmates' fault, the society. I, I I don't know if we need to put the blame on. Oh, we should be worrying about rehabilitating them because they they're at an all time bad. I mean, it's it's not like it it was. I listen, prisons are bad, Alex. I mean, that's why you it's go
4: to prison. Not at an all time bad. That's the uh, that's the Trump uh, line. Crime overall is down. Um, that's the American carnage.
2: <laughs> no, I'm talking about the prison. We we can forget, you know, the the crime rates. What they're not arresting people for, but I'm talking about life in prison. And and I know several people who are who are CEOs. And, you know, the lack of rights from the CEOs now, uh, like, like, for example, I don't want to mention his name, but he was a prisoner and we're totally off topic, but he was a prisoner that <laughs> shot uh, two police officers in the late seventies. He became a political guy, um, was sentenced to life without parole, was actually uh, involved in another murder in California, which they let um, him get extradited back to New York because he was going to face, uh, you know, uh, life with uh, uh, no chance of parole. They just let him out. He's he's walking the streets now. He's out and he's he's heading uh, some political movements and stuff, you know. So and, and and now today, if you get arrested for killing a, a police officer, you you know they're throwing away the key. We don't have the death penalty, but uh, but you're definitely getting life. So I, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's unfortunate that we even have to discuss it. But during that point. James Scott when James Scott was fighting and and prisons was still a bad place obviously but not as not as bad as they are today i, I, I don't know i can't i can't agree that uh, they're better today
4: alex i can't you know but uh, uh, i don't know i i don't think i'd want to be in prison in the 70s or in prison today i don't want to be in prison day. anytime
2: and you want to talk about bad prisons go back into the western times those were brutal but hey you want to talk about bad prisons go watch uh, that movie what the hell was it called uh, uh, where the guy was uh, trying to smuggle hash what is it that- uh remember in the eighties yeah, to-
4: where he goes in, in Turkey Turkey, There's a
2: jail. Right? Yeah, midnight yeah. Uh, there's a jail you don't ever want to go to. You don't want to go to a Turkish prison. They just throw you in there, and it's yeah fend for yourself. Yeah, food, well, well, you don't throw, you might find some
4: in yeah, there. Yeah, I you mean know? that was one of the that was one of the things is um if you think about it in terms of um you're not going to run into any bad meat in uh, prison <laughs> unless that's what they're serving that day. Yeah, exactly, uh,
2: <laughs> exactly. I mean,
4: I, I think that that's the thing about it is that in terms of a disciplined lifestyle, I mean one of the things that he did he did a thousand push push-ups a day he did them 60 at a time well what else are you gonna do <laughs> hey listen there so was you a kind of you kind of do have to stay in shape
2: no i know hey there was a jail again I, we're off totally off topic and, and we gotta move on but there's a jail locally around here i don't know if it's a it's, it's a it's a uh, you know community jail or well, not a community jail what do they call that like uh yeah community like a like a like a local jail, right? It's not a prison. It's a, it's a jail. like a Com- like lockup. Yeah, like where Floyd Mayweather went. You know, he tells everybody he went to prison. He went to a community jail. <laughs> county right? jail. Yeah, county jail. That's it. Thank you. And um, by law, in the state of New York, they have to feed the inmates a certain level of, you know, nutrition. The foods have to be three meals a day. They have to be nutritional, blah, blah, blah. So this particular warden has maintained... That his food is uh, 100% meets all the criteria, except he takes it a step further. They put stuff in it to make it awful. Like like that's the last thing you want to eat. And it, like you know, you have to be starving to eat this crap. And 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 it's all within his rules. And he says, yeah, we do it on purpose. You're in jail, you know. I mean, these inmates are complaining. They want better food. We're giving them everything that we're required to. But why should they be getting? you know, filet mignon. They're getting what they can nutritionally and you know they're gonna suffer for it. And I laughed about that. But anyway, let's get back to James Scott. Uh we are uh, running out of time. His fight against Yaqui Lopez. Yaki Lopez had already fought for a world title um going into that fight in nineteen
4: seventy nine, hadn't he? Um I you know, I, I could do a quick check for you. Yeah, fights with um, Matthew Saad Muhammad um, he he had I don't know if uh he had the first fight with Matthew Saad Muhammad um, before he lost to James Scott so he had lost that 11th round KO um, in, in a real thriller against Matthew Saad Muhammad um, and it was their rematch actually that was the fight of the year but yeah that's what I mean by this was a time when there were really dangerous light heavyweights all lurking around because, um, Scott was among them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if anything, I would say the the prison probably hurt him, uh, not only in terms of just personally his lifestyle, but, um, you can't get fights as easily if you got to, uh, you know, you're sort of forcing the location. Um, And you're right. That was one of the things that even the room when HBO broadcast that Eddie Gregg fight, uh, there was only like 400 and something people ringside. And those were special invitees. Uh, The inmates were not allowed in the actual room. Um, so they would restrict these audiences. So that was the thing. Is that you're right? I mean, that that fear of riots. At some point, there was a riot in the room uh, previously, where they held the Eddie Gregg fight. You know, years previous. So a riot was a real possibility. So they would restrict accesses access to the fights. Uh, you know, when Scott would fight. But yeah, he was a very entertaining fighter, and. Uh, you know this was a seven nationally televised fights, so he did you know develop an audience and he had that um that quality that uh is very you know uh marketable uh for TV is he's big and intimidating and bald, you know he looks like you know he could he could be somebody who commits an armed robbery, you know so uh it 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 worked. And his style was a, a come-at-you-attacking style. Hey, Alex,
2: I, we're out of time here, so I need you to do the uh, how he made out with the uh,
4: uh, title bout game. He did pretty well. Um, he uh, did not uh, – actually, he got the best of Kovalev. Against us, I put him in against Sergey Kovalev and Adonis Superman, Stevenson, not-so-super. Uh, against Kovalev, the first time they fought, Kovalev knocked him out at – two minutes and 55 seconds of round number six when they fight a hundred times. Scott goes uh, a little bit ahead. Uh, He had 38 defeats, six draws. Nah, Alex you, you I'm losing you my man. Stopped oh. him 17 times. Yeah,
2: I'm I, I didn't get any of that. Right. I I, I got I I can't uh I'll let you, yeah. yeah, I, I, I got to go. Wrong with I I got I got to uh, I, I don't mean to 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 cut my man uh, off, but I, the radio station's are not going to like that. But uh, uh anyway, uh according to Alex, he did well with the title bout. We'll get that next time. But James Scott an, an attacking Uh, style. Uh, He was a former top 10 light heavyweight contender. He was inducted into the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame in 2012. He served a total of 36 years in prison. Uh, It was uh, over half of his life uh, he spent behind bars. Uh, And like we talked about earlier, uh, 11 of his total 22 professional fights were from prison he had a record of nine wins and two losses from those prison fights seven of the 11 uh prison-based fights were on television he had a career record of 19 wins 10 coming by knockout he uh lost two was never stopped and he did have one draw one thing i want to uh uh mention here real quickly is that early in his career this guy was not coddled you talk about I talk about all the time about fighters of today that are uh, overprotected and coddled etc etc in his fourth professional fight he fought a fighter baby boy Raleigh who had a record of 30 wins nine losses and four draws in his fourth pro fight he fought him and knocked him out in eight rounds uh, of a scheduled 10-round fight, and he also fought a, uh, a ranked fighter in his sixth professional fight, Ray Anderson, who uh, went into that fight with a 34-11-2 record. Uh, so James Scott did not have an easy go at it uh, in the ring, uh, and he certainly didn't have an easy go with it uh, outside the ring in prison. Uh, he recently died. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, he died on uh, May 8th. At 70 years old, he was suffering from dementia. Uh, we were very close to having James Scott on this show last year. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was not uh, in a condition to come on, and his brother and I spoke several times uh, in attempt. You know, with us attempting to have him come on and talk about uh, James Scott. Uh, they are working on a uh, a movie for him, uh, a book for him. There's several things. Uh, that they are are working on. If you've never seen him fight, punch him up. Uh, Very exciting fighter. Unfortunately, uh, took the wrong path uh, most of his life. But uh, today's blast from the past, James Scott. We apologize for some of the technical difficulties, but I'm going to take a short break, and when I come back, I'm scheduled to have uh, uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola join us again. So uh, don't go anyways.
0: Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out billycboxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that? That's my face. I hate you. I hate you. you. That's billycboxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com.
2: And where... Back, you're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us, and uh, don't forget, uh, I'd like to hear from you. That's right, from you. You're whoever's watching, whoever's listening. I want to hear from you, wherever you're listening to this show. How you're listening, how you're watching, whether it's on a television network, whether it's on a radio dial, whether it's on uh, YouTube or the internet or or a podcast. Take a minute and do me a favor. Drop us an email, T A L K I N, B O X I N G dot gcom and let me know how you get in the show. We're uh, curious to know uh, where you guys are. And uh, uh, it's uh, we might even, you know, I might even give out uh, uh, a random prize to somebody. So uh, if that's what's going to get you to invest a couple of minutes, do it and then i'll uh, i'll pick somebody and give out something but uh joining me again is uh my man sal rocky Cola and uh hopefully uh uh we don't lose you here sal but uh a couple of things i wanted to talk to you about um as we wrap up here uh first and foremost we talked a little about it uh during the uh well first thing i wanted to mention is uh we were talking about jail and fighters fighting Ooh. out of jail well uh uh, a uh, Celestino Caballero, Caballero was a, uh, a former two-time world champion. Uh, he uh, was sentenced, incarcerated uh, uh, for five years due to drug trafficking as soon as he retired uh, a couple of years ago. He's been in jail for two years. They just let him out uh, as, uh, uh, to perform community service for the rest of his sentence. Uh, what's your thoughts on prisoners uh, fighting, you know, in organized uh, fights? Not that uh, pe- the Pelican uh, Caballero is, but uh, what's your thoughts on that? Are you for it? Should they, do you think they should do that or what?
3: You know, I, I really have to give it a good thought here. And I'll tell you what, because I remember, you know, growing up and seeing and, and, and while I was boxing myself, seeing uh, uh, James Scott fight on TV. Uh, from the prison and it was usually outdoors, I think, uh, in the stadium and, uh, and it was interesting to see. And I, and I, I remember thinking back then, you know, is this really something that, that, uh, that I was welcoming seeing, seeing, uh, somebody who's behind bars for a reason having the, uh, and I don't, I don't know, Bill, if he was allowed to keep much of that money or something, I'm not sure. I remember hearing some different things about what the, what the uh, share of purse was, uh, was like. But, uh, no, I, I, I could see it having a positive effect. It's just that if you are penalized uh, and behind bars for a reason, uh, you know, maybe some of those luxuries that you're usually uh, – that avail itself, if you are a law-abiding citizen – and that can come to you. Uh, maybe should not be allowed in prison. I, I'm, I'm, I gotta really think and, and look at my heart of hearts there,
2: because I also do see the positive side. Right, it's kind of rehabilitative. I, right, I, I think it's and, good. I think I think it's good. I think it keeps yeah. these guys uh, focused on other things. You know, well, and and that's uh, true too. You know, so yeah, that's true too. Um. One of a couple other things, uh, and and uh, you know we're we're running out of time here quickly here, uh, unfortunately. But uh, Sal and I were talking about this before we went on air. But it was announced uh, uh, late yesterday that Teddy Atlas is returning uh, behind the mic. No, not with ESPN because he's uh, ESPN made a blunder in my opinion by taking on this Mark Kriegel guy. He's terrible. But Teddy Atlas is joining uh, Barry Tompkins on a CBS Sports broadcast. Uh, that's going to feature uh, Mike Lee, uh, the uh, light heavyweight, uh, coming up uh, uh, soon. It's also got a, a pretty decent uh, undercard. Um, what's your thoughts, real quick? It's taking place June 8th. I, I mean, you know, Teddy got on my nerves, but I miss him. I miss him, and I think he and Barry Tompkins should make a good team. What do you think? I think he and Barry Tompkins will make an excellent team. I like Barry
3: Tompkins. I think he he calls a good. He's a good presence on. Uh, on camera and on the on air when he talks about fighting uh i think there'll be a great dynamic duo and uh, i think it'll flourish and you know what that's how you see the silver lining and turn a negative into a positive uh, you know something was bound to come out because teddy atlas whether you like or agree with him or not uh he is a he is a, a very knowledgeable very knowledgeable yeah. uh boxing person no doubt and, and that's what we always say we right. want boxing people in the sport of boxing barry, so i can't think of a better thing for for teddy atlas to to be back on the airwaves and i want to say a big
2: congratulations to teddy atlas yeah he's been doing some some other stuff oh, with yeah. espn but and i think and, and i think barry tompkins is one of the best uh, one, one last thing i want to talk about is uh there's was a fight was announced for wbc uh, in the super middleweight division, a title elimination fight. Now, Anvili uh, Yildram, uh or Yild, uh, Yid or Yidirum, uh is a nineteen and one um, super middleweight. Uh, you know, um, who's fighting? Uh, he was an amateur in Cuba. Uh, he's uh, a, a, a good fighter, a, a top ranked fighter, and it was announced yesterday that he is going to be fighting. Uh, Lolenga Mock who's got a record of 42 wins 14 losses and one draw and the winner of that fight will earn a shot uh, at the WBC world uh, uh, title in the super middleweight division uh, here's the thing uh, uh, Yildirim is a is a quality fighter we all know that but did you know that uh, Lolenga Mock uh, has never fought for a world title that's not a big deal But he's 46 years old, Sal. And not only is he 46, he's ranked number 21 in the world at the super middleweight division. But here's the thing. And I've been so critical of, you know, sanctioning bodies, bringing up uh, a fighter, uh, you know, that's uh, beyond his prime, let's say. And, you know, they they come out of retirement and they're the sacrificial lamb and they're brought in and and they took, you know, basically get a payday and take a beating for it. But Mach. He's been a pro for 27 years, but his last 11 fights, Sal, going all the way back to 2015, and that was following uh, his last loss, which was against Eric Sokoland in 2013, he's rattled off 11 wins in a row uh, against good opposition. He's got wins over... Luke Blackledge and Dmitry Chodinov, uh, Jorge Silver, to name a few. Um, I mean, what's your thoughts about a guy who's, you know, advanced in years, but has been proven that he's good? I mean, he, this is a typical guy who has earned his shots out.
3: Well, I love it. I mean, that's what we always say. You know, you got to climb the, rungs of the rings of the ladder. And uh, what better way than to fight good opposition? And if you could do that at 25 or 45 or 46, you know my hat's off to you. You deserve it. You've earned it. And uh, so I, I'm very excited to hear about this. And I, I'd like to follow him a little closer and see what he does to do uh, elongate and continue this path of success. I think it's great. Yeah.
2: No, I, I'm with you. I'm normally I, I I I'm not really supportive of these kinds of of fights. But when you're looking at a guy that's been active. Um, and he's been successful against top opposition. Uh, you can't deny, can't deny him. him yeah, can't you can't deny, deny him. him. The same words. Um, just so you know, if you've never heard a mock, and I got to be honest, I wasn't familiar with him. He's been a pro for 27 years. His first pro fight took place in 1991. Um, he's had uh, uh, some successful wins Uh, In the past Like 2005 over Charles Brewer Stopped him He also beat Lorenzo uh, Diacomo uh, Back in 2010 Um, He fought some big names That he came up short uh, in 2003 as a cruiserweight as a cruiserweight now this guy's a super middleweight as a cruiserweight he fought the fraud david hay and was stopped uh in 2004 uh mario Viet, which was a a, a top fighter uh, at light heavyweight he went to went to uh full distance and lost the decision he also lost a decision at super middleweight to lucian Bute, and he lost a in 2006 and in 2009 he lost a decision to gabriel campillo as a super middleweight so he's been in there tough Never fought for a world title. So, I mean, it's hard not to root for a 46-year-old fighter who's been uh, getting the job done uh, in his last uh, five years, uh, winning 11 times uh, against uh, good opposition. So, uh, uh, good luck to uh, to Mark. Uh, Absolutely, good yeah. luck. Let's move uh, to our... Uh, Trivia question. No, I'm not going to ask the trivia question because I didn't get a winner. So I'm not going to tell you guys the answer. I'm going to recycle it. But today's It's Too Early for a Trivia Question question uh, is actually a uh, question that I've given you guys the answer to. It wasn't an official trivia question, but it is today. Uh, And if you're the first one to email me, the correct answer, Billy at talkin'. Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. You'll win your very own copy of the title bout championship computer game. Here's the question boys and girls and children of all ages who is the only fighter in history to beat a former world heavyweight champion in his pro debut? Who is the only fighter in history to beat a former world heavyweight champion in his pro debut? If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talking Boxing, that's dot com. you'll win your very own copy of the title bout championship computer game. Let's see if people listen to me when I talk because I've mentioned this multiple times uh, over uh, the course of our show. Sal, you want to give it a shot?
3: Well, I know it's not Jack Dempsey, um, which is my canned answer, but uh, didn't Leon Spinks lose a fight to a guy in his pro debut one
2: time? Could be. I don't know. Could, could be. Could be, huh? I'm could on the be. right track, I think. Yep, could be. But uh, if That's you just hint. got a big hint from Sal Rocky Colo oh, without him boy. even knowing, uh, if you're the first one to email me, you're going to pick up a copy of the title Bow championship computer game. Uh, so now, uh, obviously, I, obviously, uh, uh, people are going to get this right, but email me Billy at talking boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot Uh, listen, boys and girls, uh, we will uh, be back Monday morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Yes. I know it's a holiday, but we will be here and we hope that you are here too. So make sure you show up Monday morning. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs>